We're on the back half of the Ron Show for Thursday, November, I'm sorry, December 1st. I have to get used to saying that. 2022. I am your host, Ron Roberts, on the America One Radio app and at AmericaOneRadio.com. Archived audio you can find at RonShowATL.com. Email address Ron at RonShowATL.com. I don't know how many of you uh, watched the TV show, The Plot Against America. It was a TV show, kind of an alternate uh, timeline, sort of alternate reality look at America post-World War II. We'd won, of course, you know, World War II. Uh, In this alternate reality, it worked out that way as well. However, um, it was a, a series based on a Philip Roth novel. It envisioned a world in which Charles Lindbergh, who was a bit of an anti-Semite back in the day, kind of a Nazi sympathizer back in the day, uh, had won the 1940 presidential election. So I guess, actually, now that I think about it, it wasn't post-World War II, it was leading up to World War II. Okay, anyway, so um, tells you how long it's been since I watched this show. Anyway, there's a there's a, a piece from the Smithsonian Magazine that talks about a little bit of the true history behind that book and subsequent series, The Plot Against America. Since this did lead up to World War II and not afterwards, Ron, thanks for reminding me, Smithsonian, um, you know, the, the, the anti-Nazi fervor wasn't as pronounced in the United States as it was leading up to it, there was, you know, a little bit of a hesitancy. I mean, we've all seen the photo, right, of Madison Square Garden just packed to the gills for an American Nazi rally before World War II, right? So anyway, that adaptation uh, is just one of those interesting movies and novels that I've always kind of had in the back of my head. Uh, And I like that, and I like the, uh, what was it, The Man in the High Castle on uh, Amazon Prime. It was another great series, by the way. Uh, I bring all this up because, you know, we're, we're on the precipice of some really weird times here. We're seeing a rise in Nazi sympathization, is that a word, on the right all of a sudden, and it's a little frightening, or at least it should be a little frightening to those of us who are a little concerned about radicalization like that. Uh, Our good friend, Jay Bookman, wrote a column at the Georgia Recorder. Uh, His commentary starts with the headline, Marjorie Taylor Greene moves in same circles as Trump's anti-Semitic dinner guests. He posted this at like 1.30 in the morning, so you know he was up late fueling this one out. I'm going to read a good bit of it to you if I can. Uh, I'd like to have him on the show, but I wasn't able to catch him today. We should talk a bit about Nick Fuentes, the far-right leader who recently dined with Donald Trump and Kanye West at Mar-a-Lago. News accounts have described Fuentes as an anti-Semite, but that does not fully capture the vileness of the man or the danger that Trump courts by giving him credibility. According to Fuentes, American Jews are disrespectful ingrates who need to show more humility towards Christian Americans who have so far allowed them to be in this country. He admits that anti-Semitism has a history of erupting quickly into something ugly and violent. He's actually happy about it, calling it, quote, the silver lining of anti-Semitism, but also argues that, quote, there's a reason for that, and the reason is them, okay? In other words, it's the Jews' fault. Jay Bookman's commentary continues by quoting Fuentes. When it comes to the Jews, every society 
where the ish has gone down with these people, it always goes from zero to 60. Fuentes continues, it never starts with they're burning all the Talmuds in Paris, okay? It never starts that way, but frequently it seems to end that way, and it gets there very rapidly. Bookman's column continues, Fuentes says such things not in horror, but with the anticipation of a child awaiting Christmas. And just as Jews are responsible for causing anti-Semitism, in his mind, they are responsible for stopping it too. The Jews, he says, had better start being nice to people like us, because what comes out of this is going to be a lot uglier for them and a lot worse for them than anything that's being said. He said that on his show. Nick Fuentes said that on his show. Bookman continues, and by being, quote, nice, he means, among other things, that Jews should stop talking about the Holocaust. I've heard enough about the Holocaust. I've heard enough about it. I don't want to hear one more time about it. You want to hear about a Holocaust? How about Jesus Christ being crucified? That was a real Holocaust. Bookman opines, clearly such a man should not be dining with a former American president. Trump has tried to claim that he did not know who Fuentes was, that he was an uninvited guest whom West had brought along. Kanye West, yay. This isn't much of an excuse given that West, also known as Ye, is himself an avid and by now well-known anti-Semite with whom presidents should not dine. I'm going to share this uh, commentary from our good friend Jay Bookman so that you can have a look at it yourself and read further. I don't want to take away all of his, his, his bluster there and all his work by, uh, by giving it the entire segment. Suffice to say, to bring it all home, Jay Bookman paints a picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene being of one cut from the same cloth. Her own well-documented history of anti-Semitism. Of course, we all remember she speculated that the California wildfires were somehow tied to Jewish space lasers. That the Rothschild banking family were part of this plot to scoop up the real estate so that they could sell it for a profit. Ye's spokesperson, by the way, Kanye West, and by the way, Ye was on InfoWars today. I'm not even going to share this audio. It is repulsive. So much so that even Alex Jones backed away from the dais and said, well, man, you're carrying this a little too far for me. I'm not going to say I like Nazis. When Alex Jones says, I'm not going as far as you are, you're crazy. Anyway, Ye's spokesperson is Milo Yiannopoulos. The same Milo Yiannopoulos who... uh, interned with Marjorie Taylor Greene this past year. It's just so interesting to watch this viper pit from afar. Not going to lie, because after that famous dinner with Nick Fuentes and Ye, work, Ye let Donald Trump know that he's considering a presidential run. You know Donald didn't like that. Donald was pretty outspoken in saying so. Milo Yiannopoulos kind of clapped back at Donald Trump the next day. Dude, they're like infighting. Yiannopoulos said, we're done putting Jewish interests first. It's time we put Jesus Christ first again in this country. Nothing and no one is going to get in our way to make that happen. He was talking about Donald Trump sort of denouncing, yay, thinking about running for president in 2024. (laughs) Okay, man. So you've got, (laughs) you've got yay on Infowars with Alex Jones and Alex Jones going, whoa, man, a little too much for me. And then you've got Milo Yiannopoulos, Ye's spokesperson, trashing Donald Trump now because Donald Trump isn't all that keen to the idea of Ye running for president. Well, only because 
he wants to run for president. Not because of anything policy or substances, substance-wise. No. It's all about Trump's ego, of course. It's just fun to watch this viper pit, this just all onto each other. And <laughs> I'm enjoying this. But it's still frightening to see this rise in anti-Semitism and this embrace. Now, I will give credit where credit is due. Mitch McConnell has said there's no place in anti- for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. Kevin McCarthy has said there's no place in the GOP for white supremacy or anti-Semitism. Kudos on them for that. But you know damn well if Donald Trump wins the nomination in 2024, they're going to do as they've always done. Get in line and vote for the nominee. Personally, I'm kind of of a mind, and you—you you, this is the first time you've even heard me talk about Nick Fuentes. Why? Because not many people even knew who the hell he was. He's more famous now than he was two weeks ago. He's more famous now than he's ever been. Have you seen the quality of his videos? Like with a green screen background that's obviously a green screen background? I've seen people record video on Zoom that's of a higher class than that. I mean, it literally looks like he's filming this in a basement or bathroom, and he's the only one in there. As should be the case when you're in a bathroom, I suppose. Anyway, yeah, I've I've been hesitant to even give Nick Fuentes any airtime, because honestly, I just don't like giving a platform to people who don't deserve it. That's kind of how Alex Jones got started. Honestly, not many people knew who Alex Jones was until people started reacting to this crazy guy. Who is that crazy guy? Remember the early quality of his video? Yeah. It's like, uh, uh, oh, what was that TV show? Uh, Remember Jack Van Impey Presents? Did you ever stay up super late Saturday night after Saturday Night Live and Jack Van Impey comes on and it's it's him with that crazy helmet hair of his? Crazy. Higher the hair, the closer to God. And that batty, loony wife of his and the stuff that they would spew? Did you ever see anybody share that stuff on social media? No. It was so crazy. Those of us on the left were like, dude, don't don't share that. You're just going to make them more famous. You're just going to give them a platform. That's exactly how we wound up with Donald Trump. Don't pay him any attention. The more attention he gets, the more likely he is to succeed. Yeah, you give a platform to crazy, oh my God, the crazy comes out of the woodwork. Not a lot of people used to openly think and opine the way Donald Trump did prior to 2015. And then Morning Joe has his ass on TV every damn morning on MSNBC. And next thing you know, he's on CNN. And next thing you know, he's got an open phone line to Fox and Friends. And next thing you know, all the other crazies who quietly opined the way he did but didn't think anybody else did came out of the woodwork, became fanatics, impenetrable, can't be turned, can't be changed, minds can't be assuaged in any way, shape, form, or fashion. No. I, I'm of the mind, I, I really don't want to talk about Nick Fuentes that much. I'm not going to play any of his audio. And I'd really like to just kind of avoid this conversation about him going forward. But here the hell we are with a former president 
and a returning candidate for president. Oh, and his friend who also wants to run for president, but they're going to fight that out. (laughs) My God. And then you got the guy, yay, whose spokesperson, Milo Yiannopoulos, was a intern, air quotes, for Marjorie Taylor Greene, congresswoman from a district, the Northwestern District here in the state of Georgia. And I'm not seeing enough denouncing of this. Yeah, man, I get it. I have Jewish friends all over the... I mean, just from in South Carolina and Texas, I worked for a, a, a cool Jewish family in, in, in Alabama. Uh, my, my, my good friend, Professor Mal Hyman at Cocoa University, uh, our, our, our friend and guest, Melita Easters. Uh, I, I can only imagine what it's like to, to, to live in their shoes, to know the history of the Holocaust, to know how quietly and seemingly innocently enough the Nazi movement grew to power in Germany in this vacuum where the economy was in rough shape for that country and populism and ultra-nationalism was becoming very popular. Does this all sound familiar to you? It does to me. I can imagine their concerns. I can totally imagine their concerns. It's how concerned I was when Clarence Thomas said, Obergefell's next. Whoa. I mean, we got so concerned about that 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 Congress acted this week. Right? We're going to be keeping an eye on this. We're going to keep waiting to see when when these announcements come out, like Herschel Walker, who, by the way, has yet to to, to denounce Donald Trump meeting with Nick Fuentes. And yay. We're going to be keeping an eye on that. It's The Ron Show, America One Radio Network and AmericaOneRadio.com. Back after this. Incidentally, for those who don't know, my full-time job is that I am a realtor, a real estate agent with eXp Realty. And you can dive right into the latest listings, get your home value checked out, check out open houses by visiting me at ronontheal.com. Even share some uh, blog posts that has me focusing in on the real estate industry and trends. Obviously, interest rates are climbing right now, which has a lot of folks thinking, oh, that means the market's going to go south. Mm, Atlanta's, Atlanta's a different animal. Money Magazine actually says that Atlanta is the number one place to live, the best place to live in the United States. And by 2040, there will be two and a half million more of us living in Metro Atlanta. There's like six million now. That's a big chunk of people coming in the next 18 years. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, 18 years, that's that's a long way from now. Do you know it was 18 years ago we were all jamming in the club to a new song called Yeah by Usher, Lil John, and Ludacris? Yeah. <laughs> Not all that long ago, right? Life moves pretty fast. Ferris Bueller, thank you. Currently, we are seeing mortgage interest rates at or above 7%. That's a far cry from the below 3% figures we were enjoying the last two years, but they're not all that different than what they were in 2004, 18 years ago. And by 2040, if you pull the trigger on a home purchase or a rental income investment property today, you'd be either done with it if you chose a 15-year mortgage or more than halfway through a 30-year note with equity growing by the year in a local housing market needing space for two and a half million more people by 2040. What I'm saying is what you buy now is likely going to be wildly more valuable in 2040 or even 2030. It really is good to be number one, especially if you own your own home or a rental income property or both in Metro Atlanta. Hit me up, Ron at ronontheal.com, 843-283-0078. 
Georgia MLS 396-720.